We're bringing the noise, it ain't a choice I just follow the voices, my mind is a void And I couldn't avoid it, I may be a sinner Surrounded by killers When you see me, you see one or two faces Be a little more gracious I fuck with the haters, I fuck with the skaters I got it in paper, I'ma tell y'all secret People, this is the Talking Bear Ball podcast, and I am your host Matt. And I'm joined today by a very special host, very special guest, should I say? My host has disappeared. Special, <laughs> special guest, the one and only, the Puerto Rican nightmare. If he's still going by that, yeah, I'm, Ad- still, I'm still doing that a little bit here and there. <laughs> Adam Mayhem, how's it going, man? How's it going, man? All good, all good. It's a little bit hot here in Seoul, but. We're dealing with it. <laughs> it's yeah. Humid. Well, it's humid. It's not very nice over here in the UK either. We, okay, UK, we ain't used to heat. And then again, we freak out when it's cold. We freak out when it's hot. We don't do good in evil weather. No, I'm British. I'm British. No, I don't do. Here, here I, like I'm, I'm cool with the heat. You know, because I grew up in the Caribbean, so I'm good with the heat. But here it's just so humid that it's just, you take a shower, you get out. You're wet again. You need another shower. Yeah, you need another <laughs> shower. And then you go here to get some food. You come back, you're drenched in sweat. And you're like, oh, my God. And again, you take everything off. And you're like, <laughs> so So, yeah. So that's, that's, that's my issue right now. Uh, say I feel you, man. <laughs> but... We'll get into it then. So, obviously, you're a pro wrestler, independent pro wrestler. You have been for how long now? You've been doing it for a few years. years. 15 and a half years. Crikey. You've made it for a while then. (laughs) There you started. I took took a break um, in 2011. Yeah, 2011. uh, Because I joined the Army. So, while I was in the Army, I was not allowed to wrestle. Yeah. So, so from 2011 to 2016, 17 ish, I took, I took, uh, I took a break. So a big and then I, break in the middle, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was, what was that like then? The experience of joining the army. What made you join the army? Um, I, I think in all sincerity, I think I was very scared. I know, I know this is not the patriotic answer that everybody gives, like, oh my god, the duty, nah, like, uh, I, like, everybody, like, most of you guys know, I'm from Puerto Rico, things in Puerto Rico, like, economically are not very good, and there wasn't a lot of jobs, and I was about to graduate, uh, my, you know, college, and I think... I was scared of having to face the reality of trying to find a job in a place where there weren't many. Yeah. And and a lot of a lot of the stuff that you know I went to school for sports medicine, and everybody was telling me like, oh, like for you to become certified, you need to go to the states and get this certain classes and this certification, this and that, and I didn't have the money. So I think I mostly, I got scared and I was like, I need something that is going to be like stable, right? As I get out of college. So 
one day I just went into the recruiter's office and I was like, hey, <laughs> what's up? And they gave me my, in Puerto, I don't know if they do it everywhere. I know in Puerto Rico they do, since uh, English is not our first language. They give you this uh, pretest to see how well you're going to do on the ASVAB. And according to that score, the recruiter might tell you, okay, go home, study, or all right, let's go take the test and let's let's see what happens. So I took that pretest and I scored very, very high. So the recruiter was like, oh, <laughs> all right, let's do this. Next week, I they sent me to take the test. One week after, I was swearing in. Like, it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And then, yeah, I graduated in December. And in February, I left for the Army. Yeah. But I think it was, it was, I was just scared. I was just scared to face the real world. Well, it can be scary and just... I know, I know in the UK it can be scary just leaving school and getting a job here. Let alone in somewhere yeah. like Puerto Rico, I can imagine it'd be terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so that's why I joined. So was the plan always to be a wrestler then, growing up in Puerto Rico? No, hell no. <laughs> you didn't no. You didn't watch those... What was the promotion called with Bruiser Brody and all those guys yeah, and yeah, Carlos yeah. Colon? Okay, so, right. What everybody, what anyone That's what everyone remembers. How I got, I got into wrestling. I, I tell them the truth, okay? Again, my stories are not... They're, not, they're entertaining. You know, they're, 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 not, they're not the usual, oh, I grew up idolizing wrestlers and I wanted to... Nah. No. It's not <laughs> um, So, I never watched wrestling. Never watched wrestling. Uh, my friends, were, like my best friends, they live right across the street from me. They were huge wrestling fans. Huge. My mom wouldn't let me watch wrestling. Uh, to this day, I remember the first match I ever watched was WWF Metal, um, it, which was like a Saturday morning, uh, like Saturday afternoon show. Right? Yeah. That it was just yeah. like, it was the, the very low of the very Yeah, because we didn't um, get that in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, and the match was Edge and Christian when they were in the brood against Kai and Tai. Crikey. So I watched that match and I, 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 liked, I really liked Edge. I really liked Edge. And, you know, I, I started watching wrestling from that point forward. Now, my friends who lived across from the street from me, um, they are twins. And they would always play wrestling. At home in their backyards, they would set up uh, mattresses and stuff, and they would just practice move, doing this, doing that, blah 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 blah. I would do it with them every now and then, very very seldom I would do it. Fast forward a couple of years, uh, we are eighteen at this point, and they used to wrestle in school. Like at their school, they would used to like go in the yard and do like oh like. Head scissors. <laughs> they would practice. The backyard wrestling dog um, shit. Yeah, pretty much in their school. Yeah. So, one guy who was at the school comes to them and tells them, "Hey, I'm a manager in this wrestling promotion. Uh, we want you to come work for us." But again, this is a very small indie promotion. Like <laughs> it was, like the the owner was a fan of FMW. Like an ECW, like uh, it was just a glorified backyard, just a backyard <laughs> show with with a ring. But anyway, um, 
So they're like, hey, we want you to work for us. Sure. This day. It was uh, February 8th, 2004 was the day of the show. Um, for reason, the show was at 7. They tell us to be there at 2 p.m. So they t- they're like, hey, we're going to the show. Do you want to come with us? <clears throat> I'm like, sure. It was like 10 minutes away from my house. I wasn't doing anything. F it. Let's go. So we get to the show. We're backstage. They're the wrestlers. Everybody starts, you know, setting up their matches. The promoter comes and says, okay, you are wrestling this guy. The idea that I want for the match is that since you two are twins, I want you to be switching during the match a lot. You're going to have a manager, which was the guy from from their school. Um, He's going to entertain the... The ref every now and then you guys will switch and you keep doing that throughout the whole match cool every, whatever time starts going right blah 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 start for the show and the manager is not there we go to the promoter we're like hey brian dallas was the name of the the promoter the, the manager yeah. hey brian dallas is not here what are we gonna do because we set up the whole match for him to always be distracting the referee and us doing this thing. So the promoter just stands there, looks at me, and he goes, do you know what Brian Dallas was supposed to do? And I'm like, yeah, because I was being the stand-in while everybody was practicing. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, okay, go do it. (laughs) All right. So sure, whatever. I'm there. Mind you, I'm in sweatpants. A t-shirt like I wasn't gonna be at the show right so I'm like yeah we're standing right behind the the curtain and the promoter comes up to me and he goes oh here you go bah! and gives me a microphone and he goes heat up the crowd for me I'm like how terrified okay. were you in that moment <laughs> I, I, I think it was so surreal that I was like nothing was like jelly like it was just so I was like Okay, I go out there, I start talking shit. I just started talking. And the crowd hated me. We went through the match. Everything went without a hitch. Um, and when we get back to the, to the, through the curtain after the match, the promoter goes and tells me like, hey, for someone that didn't know that we're doing anything today, you did really good. I'm like, cool, thank you. And that was it. After that, I started coming to practice, and we did a couple of shows. I was the manager, and then a couple of months into it, the promoter is like, hey, the crowd really hates you, man. Um, We need to put you in the ring. So August, you're going to have your first actual match. I was like, okay. And he told me that. I think it was like around May. Yeah. And I I practice and practice <laughs> and practice. And went out there in August and had a stinker of a match. But since everybody else was shit, <laughs> it was mine. I can imagine everyone at first, they're not the greatest. If I was Stephen Ring, I'd probably fall over the ropes getting in. Yeah. Let alone even yeah. actually trying to put a match together. Yeah, 
But so, even that, but yeah, that's so you're good to wrestling. So you're not even been training that long at that point. So match putting matches game psychology and matches that wasn't even a thing. <laughs> and, I, and, and I had been watching wrestling for a year, maybe. Bloody hell. Maybe two years before that. And fifteen um, years later, you're still there. <laughs> and and the funny thing is this that that uh, what I find hilarious is the fact that as you know, I started wrestling. Then I was I was always the talker of the of the group. They added another guy to our group. We became the talent agency, um, and the the main guy Romeo was the the guy going for the heavyweight championship. The twins were the tag team, and I was a junior heavyweight. And we went through a bunch of promotions, right? We did we did IWA, we did. WWC, we did NWS, we did NWE, we did a bunch of promotions. And they were the ones that would get booked, right? Yeah. Because Romeo, Romeo was this six foot one, blonde, blue eyes guy, right? And 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 he had the look. He had the look. So everybody would book him because he had the look. Now the twins would get booked, they were really good, and they were twins. Yeah. Right, which is something that you, you just don't find a whole lot. And then me, I rarely would get booked. I would get booked because I was there. You know, <laughs> I was, I was. Well, he's he's here with the twins and Romeo, so might as well use him. Stop well, it! Let's put know? him on the show. <laughs> yeah, and you know, four or fifteen years into it, the twins retired. God, like 2012, maybe? Nice. They retired. They're not doing it anymore. Romeo retired, I think, around the same time. So last one standing. <laughs> the one who never really wanted to be in the business is the one who's standing. He's <laughs> the one going to Japan and Korea and the UK and here and there and doing this. It's like, so it, I, I find that hilarious because I was never, you know, and... And we would go to promotions, and they would always put belts belts on them. And I was the jobber of the group. I was yeah. the jobber. I was the jobber. I was the jobber. And then now it's like, okay. <laughs> so, like so how did you end up in Sacramento then? Because weren't you in Sacramento for the longest time as well, or North yeah, NorCal? Um, no. Yeah. Um, Work in that well, area. After, after I got out of the military. Um, I went through a breakup with my girlfriend at the time, and she kicked me out of the house. Lovely lady. And thankfully, and thankfully, I had a really, really good friend who got me a job working for the government in um, close to, to the Sacramento area in NorCal. And that's how I landed there. Now, at this point, I had been watching... Uh, excuse me. I had been watching Stephen Larson... For about for about a year or some change, um, and and I knew that they were from the area, so that's how you know. I when I got to the area, I was like, when I was about to move, actually, I hit them up both on Twitter, and I was like, hey, I'm about to move to the Sacramento area. Like, what are good places to live that aren't too far away from base? Like, you know, and yeah. and we started talking. 
that that was like our our. our That's so yeah, where it started. Where we started talking, mind you, this was after, um, they did the first Frendo draft for, for Fun Wrestling and, NWCW. Yeah. Wait, way back, what, what was it like three years ago or something like it's that? Three, yeah, three or four years ago, something like that. Now. Yeah. So, so this was this was right after that. So they knew who I was from the videos and the whole map chats and stuff. So they knew who I was, but that's how we. Uh, like I went from being a regular friendo to someone that yeah contact them and you know and meet up with them and do this and do that and blah 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 blah. So that's how I landed in the Sacramento area for about what a year, some change. Because you and then coming to America, you've worked with some I'd say some pretty big indie names like Mecha Wolf, Simbodi. Yeah. You've worked with and you've worked with James Storm. You've worked with some big names as well. What is that like working with guys of that sort of caliber? Because I imagine they're experienced guys. They've been like someone like Simboli. He's been to the WWE, as yeah, yeah. And then James Storm is obviously TNA Impact Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, the thing is this: the the I I and I told him this. The catalyst for me becoming a name, <laughs> whatever that means, um, in wrestling was was my match with Mecha Wolf. Yeah. And and I've known Mecha Wolf since basically we started wrestling. We both started around the same time. Um and like I'm gonna say like two years into the business we met each other. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm telling you this was about maybe two thousand and six we met each other. Yes. And and you know uh we had a match years ago, and it was it was it was a good match, but it wasn't obviously. He wasn't Mecha Wolf, and I wasn't Adam Mayhem. You know. You were still developing. Yeah, yeah, we were we were still very not very green, but greener than we are right now. <laughs> um, and and you know, I I was working with Virgil Flynn over in NorCal, and Virgil was like, "Hey, man." We want to push you in the in the in the company. We want to bring you someone, but we want to bring you someone that is going to make you look like a million bucks. Who's that guy? <clears throat> and this is uh, John has co- had come out of the the Cruiserweight Classic. You know him being uh, an alternate. He wasn't in the Cruiserweight Classic, but yeah. he was an alternate, and he was doing a lot of. <clears throat> he was an NXT couple of. of of matches you know he's he's been doing a couple of things so i was like that's 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 my guy because i knew that because john was one of those guys that people in puerto rico said would never make it because he was too small that seems mad to think now (laughs) and and him if he hadn't been if it hadn't been for the for the fact that he left Puerto Rico and he went to Chicago, he wouldn't be where he is right now. Like that—that was—that was the that was catalyst. If he had stayed in Puerto Rico, he wouldn't have made it, because Carlos Colon, Victor Javica, and everybody else always said he's too small. So, I always admired that of him. I was like, hey, like this is a guy that I because me and him were on the same 
more or less on the same level. Yeah. He, he, he went farther faster because he was more of a high flyer. And obviously, a junior heavyweight that's a high flyer There's, gets more bookings. Yeah. My thing has always been talking. So, uh, but we were always basically on that same tier. And I was very proud of him when I saw that he was doing his thing, you know? So I was like, this is my guy. Michael Wolf is my guy. So we brought him in. And when, when I had my match with him, I realized that I had a lot to go. Like I had a lot to work on. Um, I was I was doing great, but <clears throat> that like I saw it, you know. And and then after that, watching the match, I was like, yeah, I have I have ways to go. So, but that pushed me. That pushed me a whole lot. And being able to see and feel what I needed to work on, yeah, was amazing. And see? then. I'm sorry, uh, sorry, go on. Uh, no, and then after that, after that match was when I started getting noticed. Because after you have a really good match with a high caliber name, that's when promoters start seeing you and being like, okay, like, all right, that guy can, can actually work. Like, that guy can go. And that's when I did my, my James Storm match. And when I had my Sinbo D match. And you know, Cal Jack and Joey Ryan and Leva Bates and just everything just started like snowballing from there, you know. And 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 yeah, so so working with those guys, it's great in the sense because for me I see it as finding what I'm missing. You know, finding yeah. those things that that Okay, I'm missing this. I'm missing that. I'm missing this. I need to work on this. And learning to work. One of the main things I learned from Sinbo D was learning how to work around an injury. Um, like in my James Storm match, I dislocated my collarbone. Crikey. Um, basically, like a minute and a half into the match. And so I that match it. wasn't a short match either. I didn't think it was anyway when I watched no, it. That. Was, it was like 16 minutes. Yeah, yeah it was a but long like match. A minute, yeah, a minute and a half into it, I dislocated my, my, my collarbone. And I worked the match, you know, with the, my collarbone messed up. Um, so then when I went to have my match, at this point in Best of the West, they're, they're trying to push me. That's why they gave me the win against uh, James Storm. So then the next show, I was working Funny Bone and Sin Bodhi in a tag team match. And I go to Sin and I go, hey man, I have a jacked up shoulder. I didn't want to say no to this match because obviously it's a high profile match. Yeah. Um, but we need to we need to work, you know. <laughs> like we need to figure we need to figure this one out. And he's like, Man, don't worry, we'll just Shakespeare. And and we did the match. We figured out the match, and I took I think it was like three four bumps in the whole match. <laughs> My shoulder was fine. The crowd loved it. Everybody, I was like, yeah, damn it! Like this is this is what it is working with those with those sort of guys. Like they know they, they help. Know. So you learn from them. They help develop your game, sort of. 
You learn, you pick up new skills with each opponent, so you work with each guy you work with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But exactly. then you, so you've worked with some high profile guys, and then Stephen Larson have this H Championship. They gave it to them. <laughs> I think it was a friend that gave it to them, or something made it for them on yes, it. Yes, yes, it was, it was a, it was a friend. Yes. And then they finally decided to do something with it. They decided they're gonna have <laughs> an actual proper pro championship. Yeah. And you come in on Friend Over Road. How does yes. that, obviously you were speaking, but how does that come about? I, I don't remember whose idea in the beginning it was. Um, I think someone came up with the idea of, hey, we should do something with this. Uh, we should try to get this, this, this match going and, and get, a, get a head champion, like an actual head champion. And and at that point again, it was with Virgil Flynn. We were planning on bringing in Joey Ryan. Yeah. I was supposed to work Joey Ryan, and we were like, I, I told Virgil, I was like, Hey man, this is what we're doing. Um, are you cool with bringing this championship? This championship is not going to be affiliated with Virgil Flynn. It's going to be like a special attraction thing. Um. You know, are you cool with us bringing this whole thing, bringing Steven Larson, have them record some stuff? It's a good exposure. They have 170,000 um, subscribers on YouTube. Like, their reach is way bigger than ours. You know, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for everybody. And Virgil was like, fine. Like, he was a little bit hesitant at the beginning. Um, but when we started doing Friender Road and... All, he was okay, okay, like this is this is gonna be good. And excuse me. And and yeah, and that's that's we sat down, we figure it out, and then then I wanted I wanted to bring in Leva, because Leva is one of my best friends. So I wanted to bring in Leva for the show, but we didn't have anyone for her to face. And and Virgil looked at me. And he's like, "We can just put her in your match. Your your match. Your match is enough of a circus to put another one in there." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, <laughs> like it's true. My match is a circus. So fuck it, let's do it." So so yeah. So that that's when we added her. Um, then we added. We talked to Brian Zane to try to come up with an idea of how uh, Leva was in the whole fold of the match and, and that's that's how everything just kind of <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like going in raw's own version of 10 pounds of gold pretty much yeah, it, yeah. Then, would you say that sort of helped your exposure to not just more friendos but more sort of a worldwide exposure because yeah, of steven yeah. larson's reach it was it was and the 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 big sad part of it all was that this was july 7th of last year and we had so many ideas that we were going to do with that championship and with the uh, virgil flint productions um, um company the promotion yeah and then july 18th uh virgil flint the promoter passed away oh i and did see he sadly passed away yeah and everything that we had planned 
and everything that we had set up, and it just because at this point we didn't have a, a home promotion for the belt. Yeah. You know, and then trying to find again someone that was willing to take a risk. A risk. Yeah, it's still yeah, a risk. You know. Yeah, I suppose you built up trust in Virgil Flynn as well, and he built up trust with Stephen Larson, obviously with yourself. Exactly. You just kind of and hit the reset the, button. I was one of Virgil's trainers in the school, so he knew what I was doing. You know, we, me and Virgil sat down and had converse, hour-long conversations, so he knew where my mind was and what we wanted to do so trying to do that again with someone new it just it just didn't work so, so is, sadly everything that we had planned for ten or for a friend or road just wasn't able to be done i see they've kind of tried to restart it with simon miller yes yes we've 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 restarted it with this whole simon miller fiasco <laughs> and but then, but the, the big issue is, again, we don't have a home promotion. Like now, the promotion I'm here, PWS, they, we're, I'm, I'm, we're working with it. But I, I'm not in North Cal anymore. Yeah, I so, can imagine it's a bit logistically, it's a bit harder where you're yeah. in South Korea. Obviously, Steam Lass in Sacramento, and then you've got Simon Miller somewhere in the UK. Yeah, so it's kind of. <laughs> Logistically speaking, trying to set something up here and there—it's—it's it's difficult. But but we're we're working on it. We're working on it. Um, we shall see. We shall see. There there's there's some things that we're we're planning on doing, and but but yeah, it, they, they, there were some really cool ideas for for that title. The the guy that was supposed to take the title from me was Mil Mortes. Seriously. Yeah. That would have been a pretty big match. Working yeah. with someone like Mil Morris, I could imagine, would have been big for you as well. I mean, I I know I've known because he's an, he's another yeah, Puerto Rican guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've known him for years. So, but yeah, that that was that was he was going to be the guy that takes the belt from me. There seems to be more. I don't know whether it's me is only just noticed or whether it's mm-hmm. is there seems to be a lot of wrestlers from the Caribbean, South Islands, Puerto Rico and that, who are popping up, not just in Mexico and Japan, but they're popping up over Europe as well, and they're doing tours of Europe, they're coming over, over to Rev Pro where I am, and yeah, my yeah. local promotion, they're going up and doing all these promotions up down the UK and Europe. Mm-hmm. It seems to be... Yeah, no, Puerto Rico used to be a really hotbed of, for wrestling, you know, and, and, and a lot of, there's a lot of talent down there. There's a, there is a lot of talent. The problem is that the people in charge of the main promotions are not looking to the future. And and that, I mean, it's good for, for the people that either have the means or have the balls to just... Alright, I'm gonna pack up my bags and I'm gonna go. It's, it's like you said earlier, like place. it's like you said earlier, it's not an easy place to sort of just pack up and leave. It's a yeah, scary yeah, it's place. Not. It's not. It's not. So you know, if you have the, the means or the way to just grab your shit and, and, and roll out, then you might grow up, you know. Again, Mecha Wolf, like he left. And, and like you said, it's it's kind of insane to think that at one point, what, 10, 12 years ago, he was considered too small 
to become anything in wrestling. You know, like yeah, that, that is mentality is kind of like what, but but that's that's where we are. You know, um, if I was still in Puerto Rico, I I'm sure I wouldn't be wrestling. You know, um, like I said, my friends, the twins, Romeo, they're not wrestling. They're still in Puerto Rico. They're not wrestling because there's, there's no, no there's nowhere to go. There's no ground. So is yeah. is Carlos Colon seen is still like the main guy then over there running it. Because I know, you, do you ever go back to Puerto Rico and wrestle over there? I did, I did. Because I, I, I think I saw you did a WWL show, I think it is. WWL show, yeah. yes. Yes, one month ago, yeah. What is it like then for you I going back? February, I think it was. What was that? What is it like for you going back to Puerto Rico now? And... <laughs> it's weird because now I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that when I'm in the locker room, you know, and I'm getting ready... The, the guys come in and, and you see them like, that's oh. <laughs> a cool shaking my hand and I'm like, I'm just a Joe Schmo, like, like, relax, man, like, like I remember one of the guys called me sir, he asked me something and he called me sir, I'm like, dude, no, what, no, what are you doing? <laughs> Don't call me sir, like, like, no. I'm just no. some guy. <laughs> I'm just some guy, like. Some guy who left and moved, that's all I am, I'm just some guy. <laughs> So, but I remember when I was in their shoes, mm. you know, when I was working for WWC and I was the, the under undercard and these guys would come in and I'll be like, holy shit, he's from the States. That's <laughs> like, this is bullshit. Like, we're all the same shit. <laughs> like, this doesn't even count. So you, you, you're completely down earth. I've always thought that anyway, you're completely down there if you're yeah. not, you don't see yourself as any more than just a guy. You're just a I'm guy not, who I'm happens, not. a Puerto Rican guy who happens to be living in South Korea. Exactly. How, how does that even happen? How do you, I mean, you're not exactly down the road anymore. You're friggin' the other side of the world. Yeah. <laughs> how did um, that, that come about? How did progress and society come about? Well, um, it was last year, around this time, actually, uh, me and Leva went to... So, Leva got me into K-pop. Yeah, I, I've me, seen your channel when you... Yes. Leva <laughs> a huge K-pop fan. So, the first show that Leva does with us, which was in May, I was... She was with me the whole weekend. And, dude, 24-7... That woman is playing K-pop. <laughs> and I liked it mainly because I saw a couple of the videos and the girls are really cute. So I was like, okay, I, I can I can Yeah, do that normally do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this. Alright. Um So then after that I started watching a lot of K-pop and listening to K-pop and blah 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 blah. Then we had then we did K-Con, which is like like a Comic-Con, but for K-pop and Korean stuff. And we went together. And I, I absolutely loved it. And at this time, I was like, hey, like shit, like we need to go to Korea. I tell Leva. <laughs> I was like, we need to go to Korea because this, this shit is awesome. And I want to go to Korea and see what's what. And she's like, oh, yeah. It would be great if, the, if there would be a, 
a wrestling company there so they can bring us and and we don't have to pay for our flight. I said, oh yeah. So we checked online and there was nothing. So, then uh, I forget his name. It's a friendo, and I am sorry for forgetting his name. Um, he hits me up on on Facebook, and he's like, "Oh, I know uh, Adam Mayhem and Leva Bates are gonna hate me right now, but I just uh, did live commentary for a pro uh, wrestling promotion in South Korea." And I'm like, "You did what? <laughs> What's up?" Come over here, brother. Come to me. I said, hey, what's up with this? And he's like, yeah, it's a new company that you started. Blah, blah, blah. I did live commentary like for their live stream. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hook a brother up. And I started talking to the promoter. And the promoter is a really cool guy. And he was like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with bringing you in. Um... But we're, we're just starting as a promotion. We don't have the money to pay to bring you in. Yeah. What can we do about it? I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not about to pay for my own flight. Because, you know, what, what they were going to pay me for wrestling, it wasn't even going to cover flights. Like, it, wasn't, it wasn't that much. So I was like, okay, let me see, let me see. So we concocted this thing with this letter me and leva concocted this letter to send it to sponsor potential sponsor and we we're trying to figure out like hey this is this is the k-pop world this is the wrestling world there's no crossover we can be that crossover that was that was the case yeah. of our letter hey we have an audience that you don't that you don't have they have an audience that don't have you, we can merge the two. Let's figure this out. Thankfully, I was able to get two sponsors and they sponsored my ticket to to Korea. And the Korean promoter was like, hey, if you come, we'll pay you to wrestle, we'll cover your, your stay and your food. You don't have to worry about that. Thankfully, we got the sponsors to go to... Um, to get the, the flight covered, and that was it. That's how I, I I made it into Korea last year to defend the the H title. So now you're living there full time, I'm guessing, in yes, South yes. Korea. Now I'm now I'm here full time. Yes. Um. After I came back, um. I don't know things like wrestling. Wrestling is a very difficult. Uh, very difficult business in the sense of like I was, I was at this level in 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 wrestling where I was too experienced to to just be going to any. I had a big of a name and too experienced to be going to any promotion for 10, 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, but I was not at the level where every promotion would pay my full fee. So you were somewhere in the middle. I was like, I am worth this amount of money, but not a whole lot of promotions are good, are willing to pay that amount of money. Yeah. So I was, I was, I felt myself in that, in that kind of a rut. Um, so did you, I was working on, 
So did you ever contemplate just giving it up at that point then? Yes. Um, when, before the H title match, I told Virgil, I said, hey, um, if by the end of the year, I am not in the next year of independent wrestling, meaning I'm getting book, bookings other places away from NorCal. Um, and, and I'm getting paid what I'm, no, I'm worth. If I'm not there at that level yet, by next year, July, I'm done. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll give you one year. That that's, that's what I said, because I said by next year, I'll be 15 years in the business. And if I haven't made it by this time, it's not going to happen. Um, but then that's when the, that's when the Joey Ryan, Bebo Bates triple threat happened. And then that's how everything, boom, boom, boom. I went to Stargast. I went to South Korea. You know, I started yeah. going up, going up, going up. So I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> I, I, I wrestled, I wrestled uh, Jacob Fatu as well. Um, you know, so I, I started getting all this, this really cool, good matches and, and setups and started going places. So I was like, okay, I wrestled in Florida. I went back to Puerto Rico to wrestle. So at that point, I was like, okay, let's move. But... When Virgil passed, because we had a lot of ideas for the Virgil promotion, um, we were gonna do a Lucha Underground um, invasion angle, which was gonna start with Mil Mortis. Yeah. Because since I know I know Keith from way back, I know Ivelisse from way back too. Uh, we we had just talked to Matt Cross. Uh, I know Johnny Mundo from. The Wrestle Circus days. So we, we had we had already talked to like not people. And we were going to do this big Lucha Underground invasion. And it was going to be a big thing. And I was like, ah. But then when Virgil passed and that went to crap, like like things kind of were moving up, but at the same time slowing down. Yeah. Because I was getting a lot of matches, but there were a lot of, I don't want to say nothing matches, but they were they were scattered matches. It wasn't anything with like a full on. Is that what we're gonna do with you in the next year? Is that the roundabout? Yeah. The sort of same time you had because I saw I saw it somewhere. You had an impact tryout as well. And no, no, this, this was the impact tryout was after. Oh, that was after. Was sorry. But no, no, but but yeah, no, but it was around the same time. We were doing this and that, but it was a lot of like random bookings, you know. Oh, I had I had the Starcast thing, I had the Florida thing, I had the Puerto Rico thing, I had so uh, SoCal stuff. I wrestle in Arizona, I wrestle in South Korea. Like I have things, yeah. But it was like no okay, consistency. You, come here, you do one show and then that's it. So there was nothing and real then, consistent for you then. Exactly. Exactly. Then the whole impact tryout thing happened where, I don't want to get too much into it. I can stay off of it. <laughs> no, no, it was, it, it, it was. A bit of a fiasco. I mean, we, we, we all, we all, we all talked about this and the boys, we all talked about it. It was a, it was a, a money grab thing. Um, they, you know what? F it, I'm gonna talk about it. <laughs> it's Fair enough. They, because because it's not, it, it wasn't cool. What they did wasn't cool. So, the we went down to Vegas 
It was the we had to pay for the tryout. So it wasn't it wasn't a tryout where you are invited. Impact Wrestling called us up and said, "Come down here." No, it was, "Hey, this promotion." Um, uh, not gonna say the name of the promotion, but this promotion is gonna it was gonna host an Impact tryout. Impact is gonna be having tapings the week after the tryout. So you go to this tryout this day, you get a seminar, you get a tryout, and if you if you do well, you might get a spot at the Impact tryout. I mean, at the at the Impact tapings. Yeah. I was like, cool, let's do this. You know, um, we got to the tryout. You know, we obviously we got there the day before. Did all did all the hoopla. We get to the tryout, and there was about sixty to seventy people, between wrestlers, managers, uh, ring announcers, and referees. Yeah. We had this seminar with Scott Demore and Sanjay Dutt. It wasn't really a seminar. It was more of a of a Q and A. It was more of Scott Demore is there and okay, how do you break into the business? Well, you break into the business this and that. Like that was basically yeah. how it was. Um, uh, Sid Bodie was there. D'Lo Brown was there. Uh, Moose was there. Someone else was there. I can't remember. But yeah, the, all those people were there. Then after that, they pair you up with someone to set up a five-minute match. You would get one of the agents. One of the impact people will tell will be your agent. Will tell you, okay, you're the babyface. You're the heel. You go up. Whatever. Um, thankfully, my agent was Simbody. Obviously, at this time, I had already worked Simbody twice. Yeah. So he knew me. So we go there, and he looks at. He comes. He's like. He comes to me first, and he goes, "Who are you wrestling?" I'm like that guy over there, and he's like, "Okay, you're the heel." And he goes, and I go, "Well, he said he wanted to be heel." And Simbody, Simbody goes. I don't give a fuck. I know how you work as a heel. You're going. You're gonna be the heel. I was like, okay. So I call the guy over. Comes in. Simbody looks at him. He's the heel. And the guy's like, ah. And Simbody's like, I know how he works. He's the heel. And then he goes, and he's going over. The guy was like <laughs> huge and buff. And he's like, he's going over. So I was like, okay, cool. So. It's time for the matches. Now, mind you, there were like, seriously, like 25 matches. 25 five-minute matches. Now, I don't blame the Impact people for what happened, but I do blame them. Because at the end of the day, they already knew who they wanted to see. Yeah. They already knew who they wanted to put on their Impact tapings who was uh, Hammerstone, which was the, prom the the promotion, the home promotion. Basically, it was the home promotion's top town. Hammerstone, Chris Bay, who, by the way, is amazing. Chris Bay is amazing. I am not taking anything away from him. He deserves a tryout. He's amazing. Yeah. I'm knocking on the way it happened. Um, them, 
the one person, which is a tag team, and Damien something. I can't remember his, his full name right now. But those were the guys that Impact was going to put on their tapings because those were the boys from the promotion, the home promotion that was doing the, the, the tryout. Now, everybody that, that we, all, we all talked about it, everybody was okay. With, because we know wrestling, we know how the business is, we were all okay at the fact that this was already set up who was going to be in the trial, in the, in the, in the tapings. Fine, whatever, screw it. But what we were all mad about was the fact that they didn't even hide it. The Impact people didn't even hide the fact that they did not care. I saw, like 90% of the time, when wrestlers were doing their five-minute match, everybody from the Impact, the Impact people, were on their phones. That's they bad. They were paying attention to the matches. And yes, I understand that after you've seen eight matches in a row, you get bored. Yeah. And it was like 25 matches. I, I understand you get bored. But make it look a little bit less obvious that you do not care. You know? Yeah, um, say, the point is, they're supposed to be watching for talent. They're supposed to be watching for who they want. At least make it look like you want some of these guys and girls. At least pretend. You know, at least something. Um, and, you know, and, and Sin, obviously, Sin watched my match. Why? Because Sin knew me already. Yeah. So he knew he was paying attention to me because obviously but after the match you know everybody's coming up to Sanjay Dunn oh and then when it was time for Damian Drake Damian Drake I think that's his name the 1% match and Hammerstone's match when those guys were in the ring all the impact people put their phones away and were paying attention yeah they weren't so with tuning so it's like but anyway, when comes out after the matches, everybody's talking to D'Lo Brown and Scott DeMuller and Sanjay Dutt and whatever. And I realized that they weren't paying attention to my match. Because for my match, I come out with my, my, my Puerto Rican flag and my tights. I come out with my jacket. I come out with my Puerto Rican nightmare mask. You know, I come all oh, Puerto Rican. Yeah, all, all Puerto Rican. And the fact that they couldn't even mention the fact that, holy shit, you could work with LAX. Yeah. Because I have all the Puerto Rican shit on your face. <laughs> and you couldn't even say that. I, I knew that they weren't paying attention. Now, I did something in, in that tryout that no one else did, and Sin Bodhi told me about it. Um, Sin, after after match, he, he came to talk to us, and he's like, hey, man, if they don't give you a chance at the tapings, it's because they, 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 they weren't paying attention. Because you did something that no one else in this tryout did. There were 25 matches, and no one else did what you did. And you worked a body part. Thank God you worked a body part. 
And that was what I did. I was a heel. The, the baby face is a bigger guy. I worked his leg. Yeah. And I worked his leg all the way to the finish of the match. When I speak, like, he, the guy tried to do a gorilla press, but since I was working on his leg the whole time, he, he kind of stumbled. I went behind him. I gave him a spear to the leg, and I gave him a knee to the face. Like, I worked the, the, his knee, his leg, up until the finish of the match. And somebody was like, yeah, like you did something no one else did. And they did, if they didn't see it, that's on them. And no one, not D'Lo, not Scott Demore, not Moose, not Sanjay Dutt, mentioned the fact that I worked the body part. So there was no, so, there was no feedback for anyone other than the guys they wanted then. They didn't give anyone any feedback, no nothing. They even talked to you then. Did they even suggest anything? Like, like. I'm going to tell you the feedback I got. From D'Lo Brown, I got the following feedback. Man, <laughs> I've seen so many matches today that everything is a soup in my brain. I cannot give you feedback, man. I'm sorry. That's what D'Lo Brown told me. He's meant to be a guy who knows business. Sanjay Dutt gave me the most politically correct answer ever. I asked him, he was like, no, man, like, seriously, everybody did great. Like, everybody worked their asses off. I'm really impressed by what everybody did. Um, I'm just going to talk to Scott Demore, and, and we'll let you guys know. But, yeah, man, like, really good job. Well, that makes sense for where he is now, I suppose. Politically correct. Then yeah. what, what was Scott and, Demore then? And Scott Demore was like, yeah, man, um, you know, we just... We just saw a lot of people today, man, and there's a lot of talent, so... Yeah, yeah, um... Yeah, if you want, like, here's my email. Um, send me some of your matches uh, to my email, and I can give you feedback on those, man, and, and let you know let you know what we can do. Isn't he one, meant to be one of the heads of talent as well? And that's his comeback. So, your thought, I imagine, is, well, why the fuck am I in it? Why am I here? Why have I spent this money to come here? Everybody was everybody was mad. And again, it wasn't the fact that it was a cash grab thing because we kind of expected it. Yeah. It was just that they were so blatant about it. It was like, come on, man. Like, at least... Like, if you want to have sex with me, <laughs> at least take me out on a date to pretend... That you're trying to get a relationship out of me and then just, you know, like, yeah. at least pretend, man. Like, don't, don't be so blatant about it and be like, oh, okay. So, everybody was, was super mad about that. Everybody was super mad. And again, it is not a knock on the guys that got the the tryout, the actual um, impact taping tryout. Because Chris Bay is great. The 1% are really good. Uh, Hammerstone is really good, and Damon is really good. They're, they're, they're all good. We were more mad about how the Impact people went about doing it, you know? Yeah. But, but yeah, but after that, after that, I felt like I needed to change. I felt like I needed to do something, and 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 that's how I landed in in Korea. I, I did another tryout with uh ring of honor yeah and yeah i went i went down to i went up to maryland uh and 
obviously did not sign me. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's why um, you're South Korea. <laughs> um, but there was someone who I am not allowed to say who it was. Okay, we're leaving for the people to guess. <laughs> you, you'll see where I go in the next few months, then you'll be like, ah! Put it together. Right? Um, but there was this other guy from, a, from an Asian promotion, and... And after the tryout, he was like, hey, like, we really like your character work. Um, we really like what you do. Are you, like, hit me up in an email, send me your stuff, your information, and, and we'll talk. So I was like, sure, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll send you an email and you will figure something out for me. Sure. Mm -hmm. I've heard that a million times before. Um, I sent the email, just kind of like, hey, you told me to do this, here you go. I don't hear anything from that guy for about a month. So at this point, obviously, I'm like, this ain't happening, whatever. And then after the month, he hits me up. And he's like, hey, we watched over your stuff, I sent it over to blank... <laughs> um, they really like what you do they really like your look we want you to come over this is what we'll do this is the contract this is it this is it doom, 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 bah, bah, bah. one year contract but we're planning on extending it I was like okay and they were like but here's what we need you to do you'll be under contract but we need you to we will send you to other promotions in Asia before you do your debut with us because we want you to build your name in Asia before coming to work for us. I was like, cool. And they were like, is there a place where you would like to go first? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I was like, South Korea, brother. He's like, really? After that, I signed, I signed the contract. They helped me um, get a shoot job here. And then that's it. And then now I'm here. So there's never been... Would you say there's an end goal? You want to be maybe WWE, New Japan. You're not one of those guys I'm taking it who is fixed on... He only, you've only made it if you've worked in a certain promotion. You're not one of those guys. Not really, but at the same time... You know, being a wrestler and, and, and saying you've never dreamt about being in, in walking down the ramp at WrestleMania, like that's that would be a lie. Like obviously, yeah, if I make it to WWE, fantastic. If I make it to New Japan, fantastic. If I make it anywhere, it would be great. Now, when I was growing up in the business, there was this guy in Puerto Rico. His name is Brunkle. Um, and he sat me and the twins down in the locker room one day, randomly. Um, and he goes, what job? <laughs> what are you doing in the business? What is your end goal in the business? And you know, the twins being 
lifetime fans of wrestling. He I want to be the best tag team in the world. Blah, blah, blah. I don't even remember what they said. But something along those lines. And Bronco goes, wrong. You should be here. You should be in this business to make money. If you're not in the business to make money, you're in the wrong business. And that stayed with me. And whenever people say, hey, where do you want to go work? Hey, what do you want to do with your wrestling career? Hey, what? I just want to make money. I don't care. I don't care where. I don't care how. I just want to make money. If, of course, going to WWE would mean making the most money. Yes. Yes. Do I enjoy creative freedom and being able to tell a story that I want to tell in the ring? Yes, I do. Do I prefer when I get paid? Of course I do. Everyone does. <laughs> you know, like, like, like that's my thing. Like, it's not. Oh no, I would much rather take a pay cut and be able to wrestle than oh, screw that. Give me the money, man. Like, I just want to make money. Now, again, granted, if I'm in New Japan and and in WWE, AEW, and I'm making the money, fantastic, great. But if I'm Joey Ryan 2.0, where I'm making all this money in the indies, I'll do it, you know? And I, I yes, I, do I have dreams of, I would love to work this, I would love to work that, of course. But to me, mostly making money, you know? It's, it's sad. Uh, I know that's not the, <laughs> the popular, heartwarming reason to be in wrestling but but i tell it like it is like i but, said i wasn't a wrestling fan for yeah all that's my what i was life, about to say so. for someone who wasn't even a wrestling fan to begin with and never wanted to be in the business it's an honest answer it's an honest opinion yeah I not mean, everyone i get to travel and i get to make money like when you've got people <laughs> like david Starr who said he's he's said before he's likes the money and he likes getting travel for free doesn't yeah. care about working with wwe and new japan freaking all those big companies it's money you get to travel the world, you get to see the world, and you get paid to do it. What honestly can and be yes, better? Being in wrestling, wrestling is super fun, and being able to do crazy things, it's it's always fun, but... I can imagine yeah. there's times where you wake up someone and you just, I can't do this no more. And whether it's just after you've done like a hard, you've had a big match the night before, you work with someone who's a bit stiff, mm-hmm. or you wake up next morning like, I can't keep doing this. Or there's this mm-hmm. moment, there's been promoters you made me work for, and like, or even after Impact, you're like, oh, fuck, it, fuck the whole business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can imagine, and this, yeah. imagine it's like any job, there's moments where you go, fuck all of this, see you later. Mm-hmm. But it's, you wake up in the morning and you go, hmm, don't want to do this. <laughs> so. and, but, and, and a lot of times, I've learned to, to trust my instincts in the sense of, if I wake up, or if if, if you know I, I'm up and I'm getting ready for the show, and I feel like not doing the show, I try. I like I don't do the show unless it is a company that I've been working for a long time, and like I have something set up with them and and all that. 
if I don't feel like doing the show, I won't do it. So you rather because, you rather not do the show than sandbag it. And and usually the pro- the thing is that the two times that I felt like not doing not going to work, and I've gone both times I've gotten hurt. So it's just not worth so, it. Because so you're not you're not putting it hundred percent into it then. It's... And and like the last time was the one the one the time that I um caught an elbow to the face and I ended up like I wanted to go home early that day and I ended up getting home at like seven in the morning the next day because I had to go to the hospital and get stitches because I caught an elbow to the face. Like to that point. Like yeah. so that's why whenever I feel like yeah, I don't want to do this show. Like I, I'll hit up the promoter and give him like, "Hey, man, not today. Today's not happening. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, my bad, but not happening." Because both times, I've, I've gotten hurt. So, so yeah, it's like every other job, you know. It's it's some days you just not doing it. You're not feeling it. <laughs> then just like me for like this podcast, there's some days where. I have a guest lined up. I'm like, actually, I really can't be fucked. I wait. You yeah. wake up in one of those moods where you're like, nah, I'm not talking to anyone. Go away. Yeah. So you'd rather not do it than give a shitty product. Yeah. It's the same with wrestling. You don't want to put out, and it's also your image as well. It's your mm-hmm. reputation as well. If you put out a shitty match and you injure someone, mm-hmm. that could, I imagine, could come back on you as well. You injure yeah. someone with vice versa. It could yeah. affect your work, affect your pay. And like you say, so, you're more about so the bottom what, dollar. Yeah, yeah. So that's why if I don't feel like it, if I really don't feel like it, I'm like, no. But sometimes you just don't feel like it. But then when you get to the locker room, you're like, ah, and you start talking to people and you set up the match. And then it's like, oh, OK, cool. Let's do it. Um, but if I really don't feel like it, not doing it. So what, is, I, I will so what is it like wrestling in South Korea? What is wrestling scene like in Asia? Obviously, yeah, you've got companies very... like New Japan, but I mean, yeah. the rest of Asia. Like, here is very weird, um, because, like, for, for a area, right, a continent that has been linked to wrestling for so long, at the same time, they have very outdated mentalities a lot of the promoters here are very old so they have this old old mentality of this is how things are done and and you know me coming from the states you know i'm the hippie (laughs) you know i'm the liberal hippie guy that is coming into to to change how things are done and and you see things and you go wow okay all right wait wait a second that okay cool all right but but you know the 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 promotions are very Are very self. I don't want to say self-centered because that is that is the wrong word. But like they work with themselves, right? 
you got this yeah. promotion, that promotion has a school, and very seldom they would get people from other promotions to work for them. Like, you work for one, for one promotion, and that's it. And that is the same way that it was in Puerto Rico. Now, that is really bad, because if you are only running shows once a month, your guys are only getting, at the most, 12 reps in a year. Now, in the States, where you can work for any promotion, you can work three times in a weekend, which means you're getting 12 reps in a month. So, while in the States, you get 12 reps in a month, here, you get those same 12 reps in a year. Yeah, I can so say, yeah. Why, that's why wrestling in the U.S., you see guys that have been wrestling for one, two years, and they're, like, fantastic. And over here, they take five, six to get to a really good stage, and it's because of that. But you, so, you do have sort of, I don't know whether it's like that in Korea, but you have companies like OWE in China starting up and partnering up with, like, AEW, and you've got New Japan mm-hmm. with, like, Ring One. There are sort of the companies that are partnering up with American companies and Mexican companies, sending their guys out on because excursions that, because of that because that's that's how they get their guys to get more than one rep a month you know and some yeah. promotions OWE is one of them that they run shows like every two months yeah which so is nothing really if, yeah if the guys are not working somewhere else they're not getting those reps I see what and, you mean and, and that is that is a big problem because you see guys that are green, you know, and, and that they need to work on a lot of things over here. Like, I'm a hit because I have a character. And, and, and people come to the show and they remember me. A lot of the guys in the roster are generic wrestler B, generic wrestler yeah. A. They're like create a wrestler type guys. Yeah, yeah, and but it's not their fault, you know. They, I was, I was fortunate enough that I was working for WWC when I was like three years in the business, and we were working four days a week, and I was on the road learning from veterans, and I was doing wrestling, I was doing this, and I was doing that, and I was watching wrestling, and I was watching tapes, and like I got all those reps. With freaking Eddie Colon, Carlito, freaking Orlando, Tony Diablo, like people that knew yeah. what they were doing, I was getting those reps. And I learned a lot in a short amount of time. But then here, they don't have those. I was able to hone my character because I was getting reps after rep after rep after rep after rep so I could see oh this works this doesn't work this works this doesn't work I remember one time I did the um I was working and it was right before I started the um the pretty boy Adam Mayhem gimmick yeah and Sandman was in Puerto Rico and Sandman is a hell of a guy and he I had a match, I was starting up with the Pretty Boy gimmick, and Sandman watched my match. He sat down with a chair, and he watched my whole match. 
When I got back to the locker room, he tapped me on the shoulder and he goes, come here. And he was able to tell me, hey, I see the gimmick that you're trying to do. Do this, do that, change this, take this out, at this, boom, boom, boom. And being able to do that is what made me be able to have a character, be able to express what that character was going to be. Here in Asia, they don't get that. They don't get that because they're not getting the reps. They're not working in front of crowds that often. So, so would you say you, they, the younger guys in the locker room, the Korean guys, look to you as one of the veterans now of the business? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is super weird. Which is super weird. <laughs> but you're sort of helping them with their characters and that now. And... I try, I try. But the culture is very different and... And there's only so much that you can tell someone, you know. Um, there's this guy that I worked the last, the last show, uh, Ray, and he has this 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 post thing that he does, something like th- yeah, like this. Yeah. And we were going through the match, and he was supposed to like he shoot me to he was supposed to shoot me to the corner. Um. No, bullshit. We would get up, right? He would, he would bump me around, bam, 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 bam. I would get up on the corner, and he would see me on the corner. And then he would come in, give me a clothesline, and then a backpack stunner. Now, I tell him, I'm like, hey, man, like this is, this is a really cool sequence, but I don't see you in that sequence. Like, you're giving me all these moves, but... All these moves, I can grab them and give them to the next wrestler, and it would be the same thing. There's nothing in there that is you. You know, um, like, at every mom in the world can make an omelet, right? Yeah. But your mom makes it in a certain way <laughs> that is your mom's freaking omelet, you know? So I told him, I was like, hey, like, when you see me in the corner, right, you're, you're looking down, and when you look up and you see me in the corner, Widen your eyes, like, there he is. Get the crowd going. Pose. And then come and give me the clothesline. Like, show the people who you are between your moves. That's another thing I learned in Puerto Rico. Performing is is doing the moves. Working is what you do in between the moves. Right? Anyone can kick... Anyone can stump on someone else's leg, right? But Randy Orton does it in a way that he's looking like he's a viper, right? And he stumps on the leg, boom, and he just stalks you. And goes to the arm, boom, and he just stalks you. He's working. Anybody can stomp you, but he does it in a certain way, right? So he's telling the story with the moves. Yeah, exactly. Anyone can jump up and punch you in the face, right? But Austin did it in a way where he would grab it, boom. There's a reason behind what he was doing. Yes. So... And I told him that, and he did it in the match, but he still wasn't convinced himself. He wasn't convinced that this is how I should do it. And that is the big thing with the culture. Here is a very very quiet culture. So being out there and being larger than life and being high (laughs) coming out like that's not something that the culture does as a whole 
So that's a little bit difficult to explain to them, you know, and, and try to get them to, un and it's not just for them to understand it, but to do it, to feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. That is the main thing that, that, and again, all of this goes with the reps. If they, if they are not getting the reps and they're not seeing the fact that if they go and the crowd goes, <laughs> they go, oh shit, I should do that more often. But if they don't do it and the you know like they they need the reps so that is that is the big thing over here it's just getting them to believe in their characters believe that they can pull it off and just get them more reps that's what it is well and you've also said you said a little while ago about you were training you were one of the trainers at third film what's it like what's the difference between training these guys to actually go out there and doing it yourself because obviously, I should imagine it's different aspects. Yeah, yeah, it's different aspects. Um, I started training wrestlers back with Virgil last year in Sacramento. And I love training because I find ways of explaining things. Yeah. And, and, I, and I always have weird, I come up with weird analogies when I'm, I'm explaining moves and things. And, but it, it's because I also learn a lot of things at the same time while I'm while I'm teaching I learn myself you know and sometimes one of the kids will come up and be like hey how do you do this move how do you do this and you go I don't know but we'll figure it out let's do it and we get in the ring and we figure out how to do the move and we go oh that's how it works okay <laughs> um so but I, I really enjoy teaching a lot um it's really good to see when kids just get it, you know, when and, and, and that look in their face when they're trying, they've been trying to do this roll or this bump for for weeks and it doesn't come up, and then all of a sudden you go, okay, do this, grab your nose and fart while you do this, <laughs> and they go, wait, what? And you go, believe me, grab your nose and fart, and they grab their nose, they fart, and they do it, and it goes, and they're like, holy shit, and you're like, told you. Grab your nose and fart. That's all you got to do. So, <laughs> like, I, I, I love it. I love training guys, and and they keep me on my toes, you know. And and being one of the trainers also makes me stay on top of my shit, stay on top of my game, you know, because I know that if I don't perform there are people that are looking up to, yeah. you know, and, and even though I, 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 I'm not that big of a thing, um, <laughs> but there's people that are looking up to me, you know, and whether, whether I think I'm the, I'm the right guy for the job or not, they're looking up to me. So I got to do it. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, a cool thing like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's, it's great, but it's, it sucks because a lot of them, either don't know Korean, I mean, don't know English or know very little. So yeah. I'm trying to explain things and you see their faces like... <laughs> and What's I, he saying? I have to grab the promoter and be like, hey, translate this for me. Tell them this. So is that, is that something you're trying to learn, Korean? Are you trying to learn Korean? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm trying to learn, but it's, it's, it's not easy. But it looks a difficult language to even understand, let alone try and speak it. <laughs> So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. 
Well, I think I've taken up enough to your time today. It's been fun. No, it's, okay. it's been fun chatting to you, man. But where can yeah, the people man. find Mr. Adam Mayhem? Well, I am on uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram. I am the Adam Mayhem. I'm also on Twitch, Adam Mayhem Twenty Two. They can find me on PWS now working, and then soon somewhere else. But Press yeah, and uh, tease. The Adam Mayhem. Yeah, the, <laughs> the merd is on com slash AdamMayhem22. Uh, the show, the, our next show, the anniversary show, it's called Phoenix Fest. We will be in Seoul, South Korea. I will be wrestling Simon Miller for the Going In Raw Hage Championship. That's August 24th. For us, it would be live stream on Twitch and I believe on YouTube as well. So Very cool. Check that out. And yeah. Links to everything support. will be down below. Yeah, awesome. It's been awesome. fun chatting to you, Mr. Anime. Huh? Yeah, it's been great talking to you, man. Peace out. Hearing the noise, I just follow the voices. My mind is a void, and I couldn't avoid it. I may be a sinner, surrounded by killers. When you see me, you see one or two faces. Be a little more gracious. I fuck with the haters, I fuck with the skaters. I got it in paper. I'ma tell y'all secret. All of